Welcome to Tax Wrap, the podcast of Tax and Super Australia. Each fortnight, we present news and insights to tax and SMSF practitioners. If you've got any questions, comments or even suggestions, get in touch at podcast at taxandsuperaustralia.com.au. Hello listeners and welcome to the Tax Wrap podcast, the first for 2021. Uh, this is episode 232, I'm your host Steve Burnham, and to kick things off, um, we are going to look at the CGT rule that applies where a person first uses their home to produce accessible income. Now this can be a bit confusing, and there was a lot more to it than meets the eye, especially in terms of its potential related knock-on effects. <clears throat> it's also possible in the current unprecedented property market that it may be of some increasing relevance to taxpayers and their advisors. Now to clear all this up, I spoke to our tax technical expert, Kirk Wilson. Uh, many members may have spoken to Kirk uh, with their helpline inquiries. Now, Kirk's our whiz kid who knows all about this area of tax, and let's hear what he has to say. Hello, Kirk. Thanks for joining Tax Wrap Podcast. It's a pleasure to be here, Steve. Uh, um, now, Kirk, can you tell us a little bit more about this uh, first use to produce first use to produce accessible income rule? Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, Steve, it's um, it's it's one that's um easy to overlook in in a lot of circumstances, and one that confuses that can confuse um tax practitioners. Right. But it's pretty vital uh, for a range of reasons, especially maybe in the current market where um people are selling uh, uh properties a bit more. Oh yeah, surprisingly. Not surprisingly, and a lot of people are moving out of our big capital cities like Melbourne and Sydney. I read this morning. But what, but what was the uh, what's the relevance to, to at the moment to properties being sold? Well, it, it, it just um, kicks in. It means there's a special way you've got to calculate your capital gain if you've had a home, which you later use to produce rent accessible income in one way or another by way of rent or as a place of business. But the yeah. history of it is pretty pretty interesting. When it was first introduced in the mid-90s, um, I, was, I was working in the tax office at the time, and it, was, it seemed quite radical. And the reason they said for introducing it was ease of compliance, because in the old days, before this rule, if you had to calculate a capital gain on a property that was both your house and had been used to produce accessible income, you had to calculate the whole capital gain wow. and then do a pro rata. Now, this could often involve a lot of issues of working out your cost-based elements. For example, yeah. you might have bought the home 10, 15 years ago and not been able to find records about stamp duty or legal fees or, in certain cases, mortgage interest and other costs that you could add into the cost base. Right. So the government introduced this rule that said, well, where you, where you first use your house to produce accessible income, your home, instead of having to go through that rigmarole, we'll deem you to have acquired the property for its market value at the time you first do so. And, oh, I see. Um, and to make it easier from a compliance point of view. Yeah. Now, there's a cynical view out there, to be quite <laughs> honest. Uh, I've worked with a few, few high-browed people who said, well, maybe it's a revenue measure. Because given the amount of stuff you could add into the cost base when mortgage interest rates were hitting around 18% around that time in certain cases, maybe um, you're getting going to get too big a cost base under the old rules. And this way was a way of, of uh, giving you a, um, a lesser cost base and, um, yeah. not it, and, and generating more income for the government. But that's a cynical view, you know, and, and, <laughs> and on the other hand, market values did shoot through the roof. So it was, you know, one way and the other, you know, it was, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, swings and roundabouts. But you, 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 <clears throat> were there preconditions for the rule? I mean, did you have to satisfy? Anything? Oh yeah, look, look, there's some very significant preconditions for the rule. Now yep. the first precondition is the property has got to be used or your home's got to be used to produce accessible income for the first time after the 20th of August, 1996. Now, right. To produce accessible income, that means like rental, 
using it as a part part of a uh, part of it as a place of business. Yep. It doesn't mean where you're using your home save just for casual piano lessons. That's not oh. assess that's not accessible income. So yep. that, that, that that's a key thing. Or if somebody else uses your house, like you know, I've a daughter who has a you know, a, a bit of a hair hairdressing thing. And, oh, yeah. You know, not, not just she's producing accessible income, but if she were to set up a business, well, I don't get caught in those circumstances. Yeah. Now, the yeah. other key requirement is, and it's a very important one, prior to this first time of using your home to produce accessible income, you can't have any other potential CGT liability hanging over the property. For example, if, you'd, if it had originally been a rental property when you bought it, or if it originally wasn't your main residence and you had a partial CGT exemption hanging over it, yeah. and then you moved into it, and then you used it for the first time after that date to produce accessible income. You can't use this rule, and the really uh, simple reason is because you can't mix and match this rule and the old pro rata rule. It's, so it's very important. It's a very important thing to understand. It, yeah. Basically, the slate's got to be clean. There's got to be no price CGT liability hanging over the house yeah. until that until you fir first use it to produce accessible income. Yeah, I see. All right. Well, uh, but Kirk, <clears throat> does a taxpayer have a choice whether or not to use this rule? Now, Steve, that's a vital point. If the conditions are met, yep. you must use the rule. There's no choice to opt in or out as there are in a lot of other CGT rules. Like there's a few rollovers you can choose to apply. Yep. The marriage rollover, for example, or marriage breakdown rollover, you must apply if the conditions are met. And this is similar. So if these two preconditions are met, you've got to apply this rule. You can't go back to the, pro, the overall pro rata approach, yep. even if it gives you a better result. You've, you've got to use this. You're locked into it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so if you're locked into it, so the deemed acquisition is at at the date that you start to produce income. Correct. Right. Okay. Two cool. components to this rule in section 118192. Right. Sorry. Sorry. Let me stress something. There's two components to the rule in section 182, 118192. Yep. And well, two basic effects. And and to buy a side here, can I suggest if you know if you're dealing with this type of issue, it's it's very useful to read the section. The first bit's a bit of gobbledygook, but right. you, you'll get through it. Right. But the two components are you're deemed to have acquired that main residence at the time of first income producing use. You may have acquired, actually acquired it under a contract 15 years earlier, but for the purposes of this rule and any partial calculation, right. partial CGT calculation, you're deemed to have acquired it at that date of first income producing use. Right. And the second component is you're deemed to have acquired it for its market value at ah. that time of first income producing use. I, I, was, I was going to ask that actually, because so, so in effect, the market value is the deemed first element of its cost base. Is that right? Correct. That, that is correct, Steve. Now, right. interestingly, the legislation doesn't say this is the first element of the cost base, but it says you're deemed to have acquired for its full market value at that time. Right. Now, this has important implications in terms of what is the overall cost base of of your asset under this rule. Oh. It means you can't include, as you typically do, the stamp duty and legal fees that you incurred prior oh. when you originally purchased the property in the cost base. But that could be significant. Because you deemed to have for its market value at the time. At the time, yeah. That could be very significant and have important, yeah, and could have important implications. Right. But you can, of course, in include other cost-based elements that you incur after that time, for example, capital improvements, oh, yeah. legal fees and real estate agent fees you sell on the sale price. And so um, it's a very important thing and it, it can backfire on you in some cases. And I'll, I'll come to that a bit later on. Right. Now, the other point to make here, Steve, it's, it's quite important is when you're asked to determine the market value of an asset for any CGT purposes, 
it doesn't mean you have to get a professional valuer to do oh, it. Okay. It's all if if you have a look at the ATL website, there's a whole pages on and even a booklet on what does it mean? What is the ATO's view on market value? It is enough if you do what is reasonable. Now, in the case of a a property, maybe real estate agents' valuations of the time or historical, you know, search the internet and find some historical comparative analysis to see what is reasonable. The only thing is, and then this is a very important point to note, that if your market value that you've chosen to apply or reasonably apply is questioned by the commissioner, the onus is on you, the oh. taxpayer, to show that your market value is reasonable and appropriate as opposed to what the commissioner may really think the market value is. So don't go there and bolster up your market value inordinately or inappropriately in this type of situation. It's a, it's yeah. a key point to note in any CGT issue, but particularly this one. Well, can, can I just ask, um, does that mean you need to pay for a, a, an approved valuer or just no, back up with your own... Yeah, go on. No, you, you wouldn't have to go to that extent. The ATO right. website and other ATO material says, you know, the real estate a, uh, agent uh, historical sales will, would be sufficient. Yeah. And other, you don't have to, but in certain circumstances, you may want the certainty of a, a, a valuer for various reasons. There, there, there may be large sums involved. Your, your property may have a different market value than surrounding properties that were sold at the same time in your area and you want, and that are similar and, and you want the certainty. So it, it may be worthwhile. That's yeah. a judgment call, something to speak to your accountant about. Okay, okay. The, now, Kirk, are there any concessions? I mean, I know in, the, in normal circumstances, you have your main residence and you have a, uh, what they call an absence concession. Does that apply yeah. when you're claiming, using this rule? Well, look, the absence concession can interact with this rule. Yeah, you can interact with this rule. Okay. You can, when you first, you, even though you're deemed to have acquired at the time of first income producing use, there's a bit of a fiction there that it still has originally been your main residence and you can apply the absence concession. So instead of, say, for example, having to, you can use the absence concession to preserve your CGT main resident exemption in these circumstances for yep. up to six years of rental use. Right. So for example, I've owned a home for 15 years. I first used it to produce accessible income in 2001. I rent it for five years to 2006 and sell it. I can apply the absence concession to preserve its CGT main residence exemption and I don't have to calculate the partial exemption under this rule. Now the point, the key point is everybody, most people who deal with the absence concession know is that if you choose to use it, Yep. and you only have to choose it at the time of sale, then no other property can be taken to be your main residence ah, right. during yep. the period that you use the absence concession, I except see. for a bit of a period where you're allowed a six-month overlap where you've been, you know, where, where you bought a new home before you've sold the old one. But yep. it's an important point to note. So um, yep. uh, uh, now there's another key thing that kicks in here. If you've rented your property on this rule for more than six years, then there's a... a a partial exemption applies on a pro rata basis by reference to the, the key rule here that you're deemed to have acquired for its market value at time of first income producing use. Right, right, okay. Okay, and to, to, in reference to the market value cost base. Yeah, exactly yeah, right, okay. exactly right. Now, um, now let me explain, let me explain oh, that gosh, by sorry, example, actually. Yeah, yeah, Good. yeah. So let me explain that by example. Say, say again, for example, in that case where I've owned my home and lived in it for 15 years until 2001, and then I rent it for the first time 
and I rented for eight years from 2001 to 2009 before I sell it. Now I can apply the absence concession in this to treat it as my main residence for six years. Now, in this case, let's say, assume it's market value at the time that um, I first rented in 2001 is a million dollars. And then in eight years time, after renting it for eight years, I sell it and I sell it for $1.8 million. Now, prima facie, under this rule, I've got a capital gain of $800,000. Right. Now, by applying, choosing to apply the absence concession, I can still treat it as my main residence for up to six years. But it means for two of the eight years of my deemed eight-year period of ownership, it's not going to qualify as my main residence. And I'm going to have to do a pro rata under the normal rules, right. either Section 118, 185, or more, more likely Section 118, 190 for income-producing use, yep. to pro rata and give myself a partial CGT exemption. Right. Now, in this case, that CGT exemption would represent the fact that for two of the eight years that I didn't, that I have of my deemed ownership, my main residence and therefore a quarter of that eight hundred thousand dollars capital gain or eight hundred thousand capital gain yep. would be subject to a partial main residence exemption two hundred thousand okay. dollars and yeah, now, yeah. on top of that of course then you've got other things that can have been built into your cost base but that's the prima facie capital gain yep. and of course the discount can apply because there's there's at least 12 months of, of ownership and if you own it jointly you split the gain further oh, okay that's how the rule works if you've rented it for more than six years and you've applied the absence concession, yep. then you're going to have a partial exemption anyhow under this rule and you're going to calculate your capital gain, which is going to give rise to this partial exemption by reference to deemed acquisition for its market value at the time of that first income producing use. It's interesting because I mean, if you go using your example, the capital value of the property from the first six years is so-and-so over eight years, it's probably gone up a lot more, but you're just using the last two years of that capital gain. Capital increase. Exactly. Now, in some ways, this is where there is a bit of a mixing and matching of the rules. Right. You're kicking into a section 118, 192, the market value acquisition at the time of first income producing use. Yep. But because you're renting it for more than six years where you're applying the absence concession, then you are going to use the pro rata in respect of that case. But you're doing it after yeah. you first use this key rule to work out what your cost base and date of acquisition is. <laughs> that's right. That's funny. But it's, yeah, it's, funny a bit, it's a bit messy, but some, <laughs> but, but just the point to remember, you look up any text and even on the ATO website and certainly in um, tax and super's um, summary, there'll be an example there that'll show you how this works. Right. Okay. Um, now just, I just had made a point before, a question before that occurred to me about um, a place of business in the main residence. Can you explain this a little further or perhaps give us a simple well, example? Yeah, look, again, key rule is that where you first use your something that was always your main residence and not subject to a floating, you know, a potential CGT liability for some yep. other reason. Yep. And you first use it to produce accessible income after that, that key date of, um, of the 20th of August 1996. Yep. Then you've got to use the market value cost base. Now, in the current environment and in a lot of environments, people are using part of their home as a place of business. Genuinely, as a place of business, it has, has the character of a place of business. Yeah. The example the tax office always traditionally used was the doctor's surgery that was attached to the back of the house. It right. certainly looked like a doctor's surgery is a place of business. Never happens anymore, of course, because very because they're in medical centres. They're not operating from the back of their no. their home. But of course, there are, there are other genuine cases: the architect, the IT consultant, yeah, the, the hairdresser, the, um, uh, the physiotherapist. Yeah, the yeah. hairdresser, where part of their home is used as a place of business and has the character of the place of business. 
and therefore it's being used to produce accessible income. And in this case, when you calculate the capital gain that's attributable to using your home to produce accessible income, yep. and you do so for the first time after that key date, yep. again, you've got to give your home its market value cost base at that time. And then when you later sell the property, you've got to factor in the fact for a certain period of time, maybe the whole length of time, yep. and, for a, and a certain area of that house was used to produce accessible income from your business. Yep. And you've got to calculate the capital gain accordingly. Under the rules in a section 118.190, where part of your home has been used to produce accessible income, find a attribute the reasonable apportionment of, of the whole capital gain yep. to that usage. But that capital gain, again, let me stress for the umpteen time, yep. is calculated not by the original purchase price cost base, but its market value at the time that you first used it as a part of your home as a place of business. Yeah. It just occurred to me, um, <clears throat> well, it has occurred to me as we've been speaking, that um, people who are going to make accessible income, uh, like a hairdresser, the, the physiotherapist, et cetera, they could be well. They they could be a sole trader, but they're a small business. They're some they're using some structure for their business. Do the small yep. business concessions kick in here? Um, well, yes. Well, yep. it's a real good question, Steve. You've you've generated a a, a, a partial capital gain under this rule, yep. or maybe a, just in ordinary circumstances from from using your home as a place of business. And technically speaking, the small business concessions, if you qualify for them in terms of being a small business taxpayer, in terms of the $6 million maximum net asset value test or the $2 million turnover test, yep. you can qualify technically for the CGT small business concessions to either eliminate your capital gain, reduce it, roll oh. it over into a super fund, yep. or to buy a replacement asset. The ATO, the ATO says so on its website. It makes it clear that the small business concessions can be used. Yeah, now, so, without getting too technical, right. there's been a few little queries. There's been a few little queries of late, including from the ATO. That that is this technically correct? But I won't go into the technical details because they're they're a bit complex. But as things stand at the moment, the ATO has made it very clear on its um, website that you can use the CGT small business concessions in these circumstances. Right, right. Now, there's the recent case of Eichmann, which isn't really on on point, but 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 it it, it indicates that to be the case also. And although Eichmann was a bit different because he had trucks on a part of empty his block home or something. Used to, yeah, that's right. And furthermore, the empty block was a, was on a separate title. So in right. some ways, he could. You know, he wasn't selling the whole home. He was selling a separate asset. But we won't think, go in. No, in, it's a little bit like that. But suffice to say, the ATO's view... Yeah, it's a little bit off point. Go, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But suffice to say, the ATO takes the view that the small business concessions can apply if you make a capital gain from using part of your home yep. as a place of business. For example, the hairdresser, the architect, or whatever. Well, and again, where you do so for the first time after that key date, yep. calculating that, partial capital gain, you're deemed to have acquired your home for its market value at yeah. that time of first income producing use. Well, those small business concessions are worth pursuing in that case. I mean, it's a, it could be very... Oh, yeah, abs yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But, but, but just keep a little eye open just in case the ATO, for some reason, wants to get a bit... <laughs> you know, maybe cast maybe cast a closer eye on this but right. but, but look I, I won't go there because I've, I've i've only seen it sort of briefly and 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 it's it wasn't authoritative in any way so well, well given that given your little warning there kirk i mean are there potential traps that, things you've got to watch out for well you you, you betcha <laughs> there's, a, 
and, and there's, a, there's a couple of big ones. The, the first one is because the effect of the rule is that you're deemed to have acquired it for its market value at the time of first income producing use. If say, for example, you were to rent your house for the first time, but only rent it for nine months and then sell it within nine months of its first rental, you're not going to qualify for the CG discount on any capital gain you may make that's brought into account under this rule because right. you haven't owned the property for more than 12 months right? because you're deemed to have acquired it at the time of first income ah. producing use. And in that example, it was nine months earlier. Yes. Now, this may be the case even if you've owned the home for 20 years prior to that. Yeah. Now, I've seen some commentary. When, when this rule first came out and there's some commentary around it, for a long time the commentary said, well, you know, uh, a court wouldn't take that view. Right. But that commentary sort of disappeared off, off the, off, off the um, faces of a lot of pages uh, of commentary now and views because if you look at the legislation, the effect is there's a deemed acquisition at the time of first income producing use and therefore if you sell within 12 months, you technically don't qualify for the CGT discount. Really? Albeit, it may not be a significant matter because maybe within... The market value nine yep. months later yep. may not be that much greater than nine months before. But no. it's a point to remember. Well, We're it, in a bigger it, trap, and yep. it's a good one to remember. Sorry, go on. No, I, I just was reading of a recent example in Victoria where um, a farmer sold a, a block of land for something like $50 million that was um, only valued at like less than a million not so many years ago. I mean, because a property developer was, was keen to buy this farm, which was on the fringes of the the, the metropolitan area so um that's one perhaps a very rare well, case well uh, let's uh, let's hope that uh, accretion in value didn't take place within tw in 12 months otherwise yeah. there's no cgt discount on that. <laughs> but having said that it sounds as though it might have been a small business hopefully that uh, you know they could grab some cgt small business concessions but again oh, right. that type right. of uh, value that type of value may have taken it outside the small business um, um, provisions. Anyway, so you, you're now, going to look, go on to the other one. Look, there's, what, there's one other trap that I came across courtesy of, um, you know, the help call line queries we get. Oh, and, yeah, um, yeah. They're, 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 that's the scenario where somebody's bought a home and only lived in for a short time on, you know, three to six months and then started to rent it for the first oh, time. And then yep. later on, within a shorter time, they've sold it. So this rule kicks into play. It kicks into play automatically. They're deemed to have acquired it for its market value at the time they first rent it three to six months later after it was their home. Right. Now, there's a problem here is that maybe the market value in that three to six month period hasn't changed much. No. And as a result, it pretty much represents the contract price they originally paid, paid for the property. Mm. The problem there is, of course, they're going to lose out on the ability to add in maybe substantial stamp duty and yes. legal fees and other costs they incurred beforehand into their cost base. Right. So, you know, a cost base that might have been um, 600,000 plus, oh no, say 900,000 plus legal fees and stamp duties to take it up to a million may, may be locked in at 900,000. And if you've sold it, you know, a, a, a year or so later for a, a, um, 1.1, yeah. well, you've potentially got an extra million bucks of capital gain to deal with there, oh, courtesy of this this rule. So yeah, yeah. it's just another thing. And I say it in the context of that there are, you know, a lot of people think, well, I'll buy that home, I'll quickly live in it, establish it as my home, and then rent it and get the absence concession and, and do something else. Well, assuming they've established their home on a bona fide can, um, basis and can use the absence concession in that circumstances, they may well fall into this this nasty little trap. So mm, yeah. again, some so something to be to be wary of. 
and but that, again, was, that was a helpline call you said so it actually had happened out there oh yeah uh, yeah but oh. more, more than more than one occasion i've wow. had queries on that gee that's amazing well it's, it's certainly something to to um an mm. element to be aware yeah, well, of come, that, yeah. that, and hence and hence we talked at the beginning here about you know we, we phrased this topic in terms of well be wary of the knock-on effects you know and that's oh, an example of a right. knock-on effect of applying this rule yeah an yeah. adverse one you know yep. the, uh, there's a lot of occasions in which they're positive knock-on effects but that's a, a um, adverse one yeah, look, there's, yeah there's one other thing just by way of sort of wrapping it up and just a miscellaneous sort of sure. issue to, yeah, yeah, to deal yeah. with is that this rule of first income producing use is also relevant where you've got an inherited dwelling which you're going to try and apply the CGT exemption for because you're trying to sell it within two years or oh, yeah, yeah. you sell it after it's been occupied by a surviving spouse. Yep. That's the exemption that under under um, section 118.195. Now, if that full exemption rule doesn't apply, then you've got then you've automatically got to apply the partial exemption rules in in section 118.200, and you've got to calculate the capital gain or loss under the normal provisions. Right. Now, this rule also applies and kicks in in those circumstances. And it might do so beneficially in the sense that you might get a better cost base from some first income producing use, market value income producing use. Yep. But I won't go into the detail. I'll leave it for another day. Yep. And perhaps we'll do a bit of a podcast on um, on on the CGT exemption for inherited homes. Yeah, but be it's good. just something to be aware of. And, you know, if you want to look at the section, it's section 118, Okay, right. Now, Steve, if I was to wrap this up in a in a meaningful way for you, yes, thanks. I I, I I would say two things. The first one is it's very easy to overlook the situation that you may have this rule applying. There's a the, the usual scenario, especially in the modern world. Somebody buys a house, they live in it, they rent it for a while, they go overseas, they leave it vacant for a while. Mum and dad might move into it, you know, or a niece might move in three. Yep. You might, at some stage, have to consider applying this rule because it's been used to produce income for the first time after that key date of, of 24 August 1996. Yep. Otherwise, you might fall back on this pro rata because you haven't met that precondition or that the home's, home's got a latent CGT liability hanging over it before you first use it to produce the same income after that date. So where you've got this sort of, historical picture of the home of a dwelling being used as a home and a rental property and then vacant and then yep. let somebody else, you, you just may be looking at this situation where you have to apply this rule. Right, right. So that's, that's so again, just, you know, something to be aware of where you've got that trajectory of history of use of a home. Yep. The second thing again, of course, is don't forget the real effect of the rule is that the prior history of the use of the home is wiped out. Right. Where it applies, it's as if you bought it on that day for its market value on that day. And right. the prior history counts for nothing <laughs> except for the ability to apply the absence concession. Yeah, I see. And, and it's increasingly relevant out there. As I said, there's, a, there's apparently a lot of movement in the property market, not yes, in, yeah. in, um, in, in both in the cities, urban areas, the country. And, and in a lot of cases, those properties at some stage have been used to produce accessible income. Yes. So, Keeping, something to bear keep in mind. mind. That's how exactly. Mm. It's a bit too complex, but it's something very important just from our, tra- our chat to to keep in mind when dealing when selling property. It's a really important con- consideration yep. to take. All right, Kirk. Look, that's been yep, very enlightening. Exactly. Yep, it's been really good to hear, hear about all that. Um, thanks very much for your time to talk to our tax wrap audience. Um, we'll chat to you again next time. <laughs>